and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Pitch Up Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Kieran Hahn. Hello. Lewis Tizard. Hello. And a returning Matt Cooper. Hello. This week, we'll be discussing the return of the Premier League, which comes back in eight days' time. We'll be looking at how we think the season will go. Do we think the table will change much? And is there going to be such a thing as home advantage? Also, we'll be talking about the transfer rumblings that's been going on and some done deals with, of course, uh, Timo Werner to Chelsea. And also a return to the Championship. But first, we'll come to Matt's return of the Matt's, if you will. <laughs> return of the Matt. It was, of course, a regular podcaster on seasons one and two. And uh, Matt, we started with what we're up to these days. So we're going to come to you. What are you doing now? Um, well, I'm now a digital sports reporter at the Daily Star Online. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, just keeping, you know, keeping busy watching football when it's back and getting to write about it. It's the dream, really. Awesome, that. And uh, I've seen you've been talking to him some pretty big names as well. Oh yeah, did an interview with Stefan Freund ahead of um, the uh, the big Bundesliga derby between Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. It's really good. Yeah, very interesting. I did. Yeah, I mean, awesome. My biggest name so far for an interview is Jamie O'Hara, so I've got to work my way up to that. <laughs> <laughs> and a German football legend. Both Tottenham um, legends, aren't they? Well, yeah, of course. Tottenham Wolves, Portsmouth legends, Jamie Right, so we'll start with the uh, Premier League, which will be returning in eight days' time. We've all got it marked in our calendars. The 17th of June, where Aston Villa will be hosting Sheffield United and Manchester City will face Arsenal. Uh, Lewis, how excited are you that the Premier League will be returning? Uh, I'm very excited. Um, the Bundesliga football sort of, it, it's kept things ticking over, we'll say. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's not the Premier League. So, yeah, uh, great to have the Premier League back. Um, and, yeah, can't wait. And obviously, being a Liverpool fan, uh, a, a particular thing I'm waiting for. So, we'll wait and see. <laughs> Kieran, there's been worry about uh, whether there's going to be like home advantage in these uh, remaining games. Do you think that will even be a thing? Um, well, like initially, like when uh, everyone was talking about sort of maybe going to neutral grounds and stuff, I was like deeply against it because as far as far as I was concerned, the players know their own home pitches. They've got if it's sure like all the pitches are like different dimensions and things like that, so the players are used to that a certain environment and stuff like that. But um, having been watching the Bundesliga, if it's going to translate the same. It hasn't really, uh, in fact, home teams have been a, something of a, a disadvantage in Bundesliga. Um, I've just been looking. In the first game week since, like, uh, after the uh, resumption from after the COVID break, um, only one team won at home. In the second, only two won. In the third, only two won. In the fourth, only three won. And then the last game week, only two teams had won at home. So uh, home teams have actually been struggling a bit in the Bundesliga. So um, as much as I thought it would be, it's not proven to be in the Bundesliga. So whether that will translate, I don't know. But maybe not. Uh, Matt, we've seen... What I've noticed in the Bundesliga is that the... Um, the top teams of Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund have just been winning their games easily. Do you think that will be a case as well with the likes of Liverpool and Man City? Like, do you think not having the crowd there is a disadvantage to the weaker teams in the league? Uh, well, I think it's less about the 
crowd it's more about who's done the best job at keeping fit and getting back to being match fit because I think that's what you saw the first couple of weeks of the Bundesliga you could see there were teams like Borussia Dortmund in that first game they looked so slick and as though they you know kept up with everything pretty well and they got back into training very very quickly and you know they're all sort of on the same wavelength still and I think if you're a team like Liverpool for example that doesn't change your starting 11 much then you're pretty used to playing with each other and it'll be a bit easier to pick things up whereas if you're a team that like bought in a load of new players in January for example then it'd be a bit more difficult because you haven't had that chance to work with each other at the training ground. Uh, Lewis, uh, Matt touched on Liverpool there. Um, Liverpool are very much a team that feed and thrive off of that Anfield noise that is just deafening for um, away teams at times. Uh, do you think Liverpool will be as good without that? Um, I think you can kind of take some evidence from the Bundesliga in that the very best teams it's not really affected them losing that home advantage. Like if you look at Bayern Munich, I think home advantage and your, your, the support of your fans, you know, goes some way to helping you win a game. But end of the day, I think it's just how this playing behind closed doors is just going to show who the best football teams are. And so therefore, I don't think the likes of Liverpool, Man City are going to have to worry too much about that. So, you know, I mean, Liverpool, I think, We've still got Chelsea to play at home, um, Aston Villa to play at home, and a couple of other teams at home. And, I mean, touch wood, but I don't think losing that Anfield crowd is going to matter too much. I'd like to think both in terms of fitness and footballing ability, as we've shown this season, we're just going to have too much for sort of most other teams. Uh, Kieran, I'll throw that one to you as well, because Newcastle are as well very much a team that feed off of that loud... Geordie support, uh, do you think that it will affect their performances when they play at home? Uh, it shouldn't. In fact, uh, it gen- for teams like Newcastle, it might actually end up being beneficial to the players because um, you play at St James's Park and you've been at St James's Park, you know what it's like. If the players make a mistake, mm. the fans are on their back yeah. immediately. Um, like it's it's a hell of a lot of pressure to play in front of the St, uh, to play in front of the St James's Park crowd, so it might actually end up lifting a bit of pressure off their shoulders and uh, giving them a little bit more express uh, like creative freedom and stuff like that. Especially for players who like to express themselves, like the Alan St Maximins and stuff like that. And for players like uh, Joe Linton, who's been struggling all season, um, playing without a crowd on his back, playing without that that added pressure of the fans maybe booing him or or something if he misses a chance might actually end up helping him. Uh, Matt, do you see uh, much of a change in the table from the rest of the season? Like, Do you see many teams? So we see there's five, say three or four teams that are still battling for that um, last last European spot. Uh, who do you think is going to get that? Um, yeah, it's quite a difficult one to, to really answer that question, isn't it? Because you think sort of before the, the lockdown, you know, Chelsea were in a bit of bit of a dip whereas Man United were riding a wave there I think 11 games unbeaten in all competitions um, so you would have thought that based on the form that United would leap over Chelsea but you know with a gap you can't really you know you don't you can't really take form into account anymore so I think it's just the case of the first couple of game weeks who hits the ground running and gets into it um, you know, well from the start. And I mean, it could, I think a team like Wolves might come in as sort of a 
surprise shout given mm. that you know they might not have spent much time um on the training ground but they the players know each other that team doesn't change at all whereas man united you know they would have been preparing for no rashford for the majority of the end of the season and now suddenly he's back and pogba's coming in and he's barely played at all so there's a bit of upheaval maybe a few changes in tactics so not not quite sure you know whether they'll have immediate results which could be a bit of an issue yeah i I think like the the injury conversation is certainly going to play its part i think in the rest of the season i mean you look at the likes of sheffield united and wolves you'd probably say didn't really have any didn't have too many injury worries as the season was brought to a halt uh, whereas you look at now the likes of obviously yeah, as you say Man United strengthened by the return of Rashford, Tottenham strengthened by the return of you know loads of players Kane, Son, Sissoko. So you know in terms of people coming back from injury, the likes of Sheffield United and Wolves haven't gained anything. Whereas Tottenham and Man United have made big gains. Even Chelsea, Abraham's now back fit. So I maybe wouldn't be surprised if those players coming back from injury do play a big part in the rest of the season. And I guess also with like Wolves and Sheffield United, they've got smaller squads as well. So if you're playing, a, you know, we're going to be playing a lot of games in very quick succession. There'll need to be a bit more rotation. And the bigger squads like Chelsea, Man United, Tottenham will be better equipped for that. And I'm going to throw this one to all of you. Um, we're going to take um, format for question because obviously the teams have had a few couple of months off. Um, who do you fear for relegation? Looking at the squads of the teams in and around that relegation zone, who do you fear for? We'll start with Kieran. Um, ooh, fear for relegation. I think the I think the three that are currently down there um, are looking a little bit dubious, but I don't know. I've been sort of a little bit worried about us, to be perfectly honest. Like you say, we we sh- we're probably only about one win away um, from mm. securing that rele- from securing the survival, but I don't know. The squad's weak. Um, we often end up sort of picking up points on the road, boosted by fan support and stuff like that. But um, I don't know. I think I am. I would be lying if I if I didn't say I wasn't at least a little bit sort of pessimistic mm. about the rest of the season for Newcastle. I mean, for me, the I'm concerned about West Ham. I mean, even though they've got the strong players in there, they're only only uh, up by three goals at the moment on the goal difference. But um. I'm still worried about them. I think Watford as well is a big one. Um, they sort of they were bit, they were as you were saying earlier, as Matt was saying, they were um, like Man United. They were riding a bit of a wave, like having Nigel Pearson come in on that new manager bounce and stuff like that. So they'd been doing quite well. So I, I, I could see a very easily based off just quality of squads alone. Um, Watford and Bournemouth swapping places. Um, I think I, I wouldn't be too surprised at all if Watford end up going down the season. And you mentioned Watford there. Uh, do you think the whole stuff with Troy Deeney of like first refusing to come back and now, do you think that will cause a li- little bit of fri- friction in the camp? And of nah, I think the players will understand. Um, I think his teammates will understand. He's got a newborn kid. Um, his teammates will understand why he chose not to do that. And he's back now anyway, so um, I don't think it'll... Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of teams I would maybe fear for... I mean, you mentioned Bournemouth there. I mean, I think they've literally got three fairly nice home games on paper and then the rest of their games could be pretty tough. Um, so in terms of getting to that sort of 38, 39, 40 point mark could be difficult for them. 
And the same goes for Brighton. I mean, their fixture, I was looking at their fixture list earlier, it's really, really difficult. So, And they're only two points clear of the relegation zone at the moment. Yeah. yeah. They've literally got like three nice home games and then loads of their games remaining are against the sort of big six and the teams at the top of the table. So Brighton are a team that I would, I would worry for. Uh, Matt, do you see any hope for Norwich, who are currently six points adrift at the bottom? I mean, I think everyone's almost sort of written off Norwich, haven't they? I mean, they've got... I mean, their first three fixtures back are against Brighton, Watford and West Ham, who are all teams in and around them. So, you know, if they could get three wins on the bounce against them, then it might be a completely different conversation. But their last two games are against Man United and Arsenal, and they can't really go into them needing anything, because I just don't think they'll they'll get much but I think in terms of them as a as a club I think they they went up earlier than their sort of big three-year plan with Daniel Farker and the the, yeah they went up earlier than sort of the plan was so Mm -hmm. if they go back down I think they'll be well equipped and pretty ready to bounce straight back and make a decent challenge they won't be a team like Sunderland that you know goes straight back down again and uh, I think Kieran will be happy that Sunderland will now be spending a third season in the league one after the news today that they'll be containing that season <laughs> I didn't celebrate that at all uh, right we're going to move on to uh, odd one outs odd one out the, uh, the famous game we play here on Pitch Up Podcast so I hope um, you're all ready for the four names that I've gone with today. Go for it. So the four players in question are Nicky Butt, Ooh. Danny Simpson, Rehab Mares, and John Stones. Ooh, right. Nicky Butt, Danny Simpson. Rehad Mares and John Stones. All right, I've got a few theories running through my head early doors there, but that's an interesting group of players. The inclusion of Nicky Bott is quite there. Yeah, Nicky Bott is such a left field one. <laughs> this is the left field one. There's always one left field one in there. Yeah, that's, that is a tricky one. That is a tricky one. Hmm. Oh, I'm now not interested in the conversation. I'm just literally looking at these four names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 you try to pull with a bit the facts you know about each individual player and then try and match them up. <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm confused. It's going to take me a while, this one. Well, you have until the end of the pod to uh, come up with an answer. But we will now move on to um, a few of the transfer rumblings that's been going on over the past few weeks. Because this normally be would be the time of year where the season would be over. You know who's won the league. You know play, teams will be looking at who they want to get for the next season. And they sort of are doing that now, but obviously it's different this year because the season has finished. But um, there has been some transfer stories, and mainly coming from Chelsea. And the big one, obviously signing the deal in principle to sign Timo Werner from RP Leipzig 
where it was heavily linked that he would go to Liverpool. And as I speak now, Lewis has got his hand over his face. So I'm going to come to Lewis and ask him his opinion on Timo Werner against Chelsea. How did that happen, Lewis? Oh, Timo's dead to me. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> you spent the last three weeks watching every Leipzig game. Yeah. Yeah. Liverpool fans, we all deleted our tweets on Timo Werner from the past. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah, I mean, gobsmacked, to be honest. I mean, I think pre-coronavirus, it looked a dead cert that he was going to sign for us in the summer. Um, would be a really good fit for our team. Obviously, able to play up front and he's uh, played sort of quite heavily out on the left this season for Leipzig. Um, so, in terms of that sort of pacey forwards, he's you know a lot like Mane and Salah. So, would you know he'd be perfect for us. And fifty million for a twenty-three-year-old was a really, really good deal. Um, so, yeah, it looked like he was all all but certain to sign for us. Then, obviously, coronavirus has happened. Um, still, sort of expected Liverpool to probably do the deal. Uh, and then, yeah. Out came the news that Chelsea were interested. Um, part of me was hoping it was a sort of ploy, but you do see some teams do nowadays where they sort of leak fake interest to try and get a club to hurry up with their part of the negotiations. But yeah, all of a sudden, all the sort of reliable journalists jumped on it and uh, he's going to Chelsea, which by the looks of it is Liverpool basically have decided, I mean, Liverpool are, FSG basically don't put their own money into Liverpool. They want Liverpool to be a sort of self-sustaining mm. club. So they basically, obviously, as a lot of clubs have been, been heavily uh, sort of damaged by the coronavirus and all the financial uh, effects that it's had on clubs and how they operate. Liverpool have basically decided that £50 million to spend on a player is just too much of a risk in the current uh, financial climate. Whereas Chelsea, who in Abramovich have an owner that has have an owner that will happily put his own money into the club have basically sort of had the path cleared for them to just go right here's 50 million for Werner's release clause and let's get the deal done. Uh, Lewis uh, you've probably heard that Jurgen Klopp in the last couple of days has said that as Lewis expects many multi-million pound signings at Liverpool this this summer um, does that concern you at all? Uh, I mean look the, I think it was a Thursday last week it was announced. I mean, Liverpool Twitter went into absolute meltdown and was it's, it, it always divides into three camps. You've got the FSG out people at one end of the spectrum that, you know, just will massively criticise FSG, say it's a massive lack of ambition from the club. Then you've got the people at the other end that will say, look, you've got to trust Klopp and Michael Edwards completely. You know, they've won us the Champions League. They're looking like they're going to win us the Premier League. And you just, you've got, you've got to be totally positive. And then you've got the people in the middle that I'd like to think I'm part of, that I can sort of see both sides. Um, it's annoying. Look, I mean, part of the enjoyment of one of the things that you enjoy about football is seeing your team sign a sort of big money attacker and the excitement mm -hmm. about seeing them play. So the fact we haven't had that for, it's going to be two summer transfer windows and two winter windows now. Obviously, we signed Minamino, but it was only eight million. So you know, that four windows in a row without any sort of big signings is annoying. But in terms of the results on the pitch, obviously you mm. can't complain. But it's just whether that's going to come back to bite us in future seasons because obviously all it would take is a, you know, Salah or Mane three, four-month injury and we could be in big trouble. Well, I guess it's... Go on. No, go on. I was going to say, it's the thing with Liverpool as well with their attackers is... You know, we're not quite sure what's happening with the African Cup of Nations. 
And if yeah. that goes ahead, then that is Salah and Mane gone potentially in the middle of the season and potentially for a good chunk of time. Yeah, I mean, I think most of the reports, by the looks of it, it is going to get moved, um, which, yeah, I mean, because if, if, if it would have stayed in the sort of winter of 2020, uh, 2021, then, yeah, I mean, God, so I've known Stella Romane for, I think it was like up to six weeks. So obviously, <laughs> would be a bit of a disaster. So I think the club are, have seemingly been reliably informed that African Cup Nations is going to get moved, which I guess is a good thing. Uh, Chelsea have been uh, linked with another Bundesliga superstar in uh, Kai Havertz. And Kieran, being the Bundesliga connoisseur, um, <laughs> how how big of a signing would be Havertz to the Premier League? What, what, what would he bring? To the Premier League, it would be, yeah. be an unbelievable signing for, as you say, for the entire Premier League, not just um, Chelsea. Like you say, he is probably, for me, other than Jadon Sancho, the hottest property on the market in the world right now. Um, his sort of flexibility and sort of in the terms and the positionings and where he can play. Like you say, he can play as sort of a number nine, he can play as a false nine, he can play off the right and is probably, in my opinion, most comfortable in the number 10 role. Um, he is just an all-round superstar and still 20. So he is a major, major, major signing if Chelsea can pull it off. But um, I don't know, I, th- I think we'll struggle to pull that one off. I think Real Madrid are throwing their weight around a little bit, with their, especially throwing their checkbook around as well. So uh, I think we'll struggle to pull that one off. And it's there's a lot of competition, but it will be amazing. Big, huge signing for Chelsea. Uh, if Chelsea do pull off that major signing, having the likes, they will have the likes of Zayec, Havertz, Werner, Abraham and Persic. Are they serious contenders for the league next season? If they pull that off, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, like you say, they've, um, they've, it's it just depends on whether or not um, Lampard can find the right balance with that team as well because um, you just named five names there. Add Mason Mount to that list as well. Um, and they are... That's some serious attack in depth, but where like it depends on whether or not he's going to be able to sort of fit them all into a system, because you've got a bit of a mix, mix and match there, um, without a sort of like it's just it's going to be tough for them to sort of balance that out. But if he can find the right balance um, and not just try to go over the top, over the top attacking and forget about his defensive style, then um, he's going to struggle. Uh, the world sort of like challenge at the top but I think they're definitely in the shelf for Champions League places and maybe even the title run next season Do you not think they need to still work on the defence a bit I mean it's all well and good having yeah. you know, loads of quality attackers but obviously they've been linked with Chilwell um, at left back um, yeah you may, you maybe do sort of I mean, and do they also maybe need to add a standout centre back in there as well it feels like they've got a lot of good sort of partner centre-backs but do they need that one sort of standout centre-back that they can all play alongside well yeah it depends as well and sort of like none that it depends on what kind of system he's, playing, he's going to play because they've used three quite a few times this season haven't they um, with what to, uh, Tomori Rudiger and Zuma uh, in there I think Rudiger is probably a primary standout but I think he needs a stronger partner um, or whether Zuma or Tomoria, either of them are up for that. I don't think Zuma is personally, but I, I could see Tomori becoming a very, very, very good Premier League central defender. So um, it depends on whether or not he's going to want to be playing with a three back or a four back. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But from what I'm, we must be looking to play a four back because he's the the rumours about Ben Chilwell going to Chelsea are quite big at the minute. So must be looking to play a back four. 
Yeah, I wonder if he was just sort of playing the back five because when you've got Marcus Alonso or Emerson Palmieri, they're not exactly the best at defending, are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, it might it'd be interesting to see if Abraham does stay because um, I think Abraham's sort of taken a bit of time to decide on this contract. Um, he might well sort of play how Leipzig have basically used Werner, so have, you know, Abraham in the sort of Paulson role and then have Werner almost as a sort of left left forward playing off of a sort of target man striker. So that might cause them to play more of a 4-3-3 then with sort of Zayech on the right wing, which again could be either a 4-3-3 or, as you say, Kieran, a sort of 3-4-3, so back three. We're talking with transfer rumours. We've got to come to Newcastle. I mean, ever since the uh, takeover talk has begun, they've been linked with every name under the sun. But the only sort of real concrete, substantial transfer news we've heard from that club is obviously is um, Matty Longstaff. It's been reported that he may have always been offered a fifth. Is it fifty grand a week deal from Udinese? Thirty grand a week. And obviously, he's still yet to sign a new contract with Newcastle. Uh, Kieran, you wouldn't want to see Matt, Long- Matt Longstaff go, would you? I wouldn't want to see him go, no. Um, I think this is an interesting situation because he's a very good young player, good prospect. But um, this is, from me, um, a little bit of dodgy dealings by the Pato family who own Udinese and also own Watford. Um, if he does go to... Udinese this summer, he will without a doubt end up at Watford, either whether it be it this summer be or next, he will end up at Watford. The thing is, um, because he's still only 19, um, and because he's a cad- he's like a homegrown talent, because he's an academy product, um, if he is to leave this summer, if he signs for another English club, um, they will have to pay a compensation, but it will go to a tribunal, say how much they'll have to pay. They reckon that uh, the Daily Mail reported the other day that they reckon it would be somewhere around three million if they did that. If uh, um, he went to another Premier League club, Watford would have to pay three million. So Udinese, the fee is set for foreign clubs at four hundred and fifty grand. So um, it's a little bit of a dodgy dealing for from the Potto family to avoid that extra two and a half million. In my personal opinion, I don't think um, it's going to be interesting to see if he will go. I'm not sure if he will. Um, in terms of the contract negotiations with the Toon, he's been offered a deal that would see him earn 20 grand a week um, in Newcastle, which would put him on a par with the likes of Isaac Hayden, uh, who's a first-team regular. And it, in my personal opinion, I can see where the club are coming from in not wanting to go any higher than that because he's made six Premier League starts in his entire career. He's um, why, the, why they're going to be looking to sort of pay him like more than that of your of Premier League regulars, like Premier League starters and damn good midfielders like Isaac Hayden and the likes. I, I don't know. They're not going to want to do that. Um, the 30 grand a week he's been offered all from Udinese comes with a pretty substantial signing bonus as well. So um, he's looking here like he's got a choice between wanting to show loyalty to his club, which he says he does. He says he wants to stay here. But... Um, He's got a choice between an extra ten grand a week and a few and a few hundred grand signing bonus, or, well, staying like Louis Club, like he says he wants to. So he's got a big decision ahead of him. But moving to Udinese at this stage in his career is a huge gamble. Yeah, well, I mean, I can't see if I was a player at Newcastle and your deal was coming to an end, I don't think you'd want to do anything until you know who owns the club. No. Yeah. It's um the sort of that side of the deal is 
very interesting and it's probably one of the reasons why the t- why uh, like a contract talks totally stopped uh, with Longstaff because they, like Ashley isn't really running the club anymore like Ashley and his men aren't running the club anymore obviously the Saudis aren't running the club because they don't own it yet so um it's that kind of thing is is interesting but he's running out of time to make a decision his contract officially expires at the end of this month I mean, in terms of the transfer window in general, obviously one of the debates has been about when, because obviously the transfer window is not actually open yet. Um, when do we sort of think the tran- would be a sensible time for the transfer window to open and the sort of summer transfer window to open and close? Just after the season finishes, I think. Like, is that I would, if I was the Premier League or the FA, I'd be looking to open it the day after the Premier League finishes, the day after the league's finished. Um, and then just for the same amount of time. So the, currently the talks are August to October. Yeah, that's what I saw this morning on Nurse Castle's news. Uh, do we think that is something a viable option, considering the uh, reports that the next season could start in September? Do you think an August to October window is um, a good time? Good time for that? Yeah, well, I mean, they, I was going to say, I mean, they got rid of. They're sort of getting rid of the idea of like the window in this country stopping as soon as the season starts because where everyone else left their window open um, so they could sign English players and we can sign replacements. So, you know, I think like everything, it's not going to be perfect solution, but, you know, they're going to have to come up with something. It would just be interesting to see whether they keep the next transfer window in January or they push that back. The one thing I will say is that obviously, you know, this is such an unprecedented time that this is a one season chance in terms of trialing something totally different. Obviously, one of the rumours that's been going around is maybe just having a transfer window that lasts the whole of next season. Ooh, I don't know if I like that idea. I think that could work as an idea, but obviously, there needs to be some like caveats and ground rules to that. In terms of like how many you can sign from another team in the league, or like how many who you can sign from board and things like that, I think there needs to be some like ground rules set out. But I do you think something like that could work? It'd be quite interesting. I think for yeah, me, I think I'd like to see all of the um, I'd like to see all of the leagues in Europe sort of come together um, to sort of try and like come up with something that works for every league, so that it's blanketed across every league and they're all they all do the same thing. So maybe if I could get involved in that, but. Um, I don't. I wouldn't like a whole season thing. I don't. I don't like that. That's just a constant distraction to the from the, the players on the field. If you've got players coming in and going out all the time, that's are potentially being linked with that. At least that's just a constant distraction that doesn't yeah. need to be there. And you could see players playing for like three or four clubs in the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you could literally have a player like. Uh, helps the team win the league and then they they win the league so early he goes and saves the team from relegation. <laughs> yeah. Be a hero for two clubs in one season. That'd be amazing. Richie Delap. <laughs> he did that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he won the Premier League and the Championship in the same season. He did. <laughs> that was quite impressive. Yeah, see Messi doing that in La Liga and La Liga. <laughs> yeah. Richie Delap by Messi. Yes, exactly. Every day. Uh, right, we're going to move on to our new game, which we st- tried last week, and I think it was a success. It was uh, Who Are You? And uh, Matt, you weren't here last week, so how that game works is that 
I will give you a player. Well, you have to try and guess a player from past or present from your club, and you'll get five clues to get, get that. And if you get it on the first clue, you get five points, second clue, four points, and so on and so forth. And uh, this week, we're going to get last week, it was from uh, the players from the past. This time, it's players from the present. So from the current squad. I thought you were going to say players from the future then. Yeah. Like, oh, <laughs> well, no, no. well, we have been talking about transfer rumours. So. That, that'll be next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> Lionel Messi's son playing for Real Madrid. Ronaldo Jr. My answer's definitely Mbappe. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're going to start with Kieran. Ooh, start with Kiza. Start with Kiza. And... Here is your first clue for five points. Again, this is a player in the current Newcastle squad. He was born on the 9th of July, 1993. 1993, so that makes him 26, about to turn 27. Uh, it's not a whole lot to go off. <laughs> um, let me have a bit Hence of why it's the first question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so that's the hardest clue. <laughs> right. I'm thinking. It's Miguel Amaran, is my guess. Incorrect. He doesn't even know his own team's birthdays. What a disgrace. <laughs> Second clue for four points. His middle name is Roswell. Roswell. It's uh, definitely Miguel Almiron. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it's not Almiron? <laughs> Oh, I had a whole thing with Newcastle players' middle names as well earlier in the year. Oh, Surely this would be one you'd remember. Roswell. You'd think, wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> is it Jethro Willems? It is not Jethro Willems. Jethro Willems. Oh, wow. Third, okay. for three points, he has played for four clubs in his career. These are terrible clues. Nah, this is good, Adam. This is good. <laughs> it's only awesome. terrible because you don't know who it is. Well, yeah. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I don't like it. I've got a guess where it might be. Well, this is not your player. So. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'll keep him in my head. Yeah. Is it DeAndre Yedlin? It is DeAndre Yedlin. Well done. Hey, hey! Yeah, that, that was my guess. <laughs> Three points, which I think was the same as last week, wasn't it? It was. I mean, you definitely would have got it on the next clue. I put the next clue was he he has played for a local rival, Sunderland. Yeah, it could have either been him or Mankio for that, but I would definitely got it from that with the middle name as well. Or it could have been Jack Colbeck. Oh, Jack Colbeck. <laughs> yeah, he's only played for two clubs. Though. Oh yeah. Mm. And the final Three clue was he is from the US of A, so you would have got that. Oh, without a doubt. Right, Lewis, your turn. You got four points last week. Oh, are you going to get more, even more this week? We'll oh see. my God! Right. Um, first clue. He has played for three clubs in his career. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's not really a nice first one, is it? <laughs> um, that's a big time. That one. Are we allowed to ask if stuff like that includes loan moves? Oh, 
it does inc it does include loan moves. It does. So that, that that three clubs includes Liverpool, obviously, yeah. 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 There's quite a few players this could be in the squad. Um, I don't know whether you've gone someone obscure, so someone like more from the bench. Right, I'll chuck a name. Uh, wait, is that one? Yeah, there's what. Right, I'll chuck a name in. Uh, Adam Lalana. Incorrect. Yep. Uh, second clue for four points. He has he has 22 appearances for his country. Ooh. Okay. Right, I'm going to go with. Alison Becker. Incorrect. Ooh. For three points. He was born on the 16th of January, 1995. 1995. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Incorrect. Oh, no! Ooh! That was a but good shout. For two points... He is Liverpool's latest signing. Uh, Takumi Minamino. Correct. Well done. That's twice he's been brought up on this podcast. Yes, yes yeah, you mentioned him earlier, didn't you? He's got more references on this podcast than appearances for Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> that was clue number one. So, two <laughs> points for Lewis there. What was and, the other clue? What was clue number one? Uh, for one point, he's from Japan. Oh. So, <laughs> <laughs> Not James Milner. <laughs> Matty, Matty, Matty's getting his in one, I can guarantee you. Oh, well, let's see. Let's see if he does. Right. Thanks for that. He just jinxed me. I'm not getting <laughs> it at all now. That's for tires, Matty. <laughs> all right. Matt, for five points... He was born the 2nd of October, 1991. 91. Next week, your first clue is going to be how many hairs he's got on his big tool. Clue number one, he's a professional footballer. <laughs> um, God, I'm trying to think who's in that age range. Um, Surely the whole Reading squad's in that age range. <laughs> no, they're all either over 30 or under 25. Yeah. <laughs> um, is it Raphael, the goalkeeper? Incorrect. Mm. Swing and a miss. For four points, he signed his first pro contract for Chelsea in 2010. Oh, he knows it. He's got it. Chelsea in 2010. His first professional contract. I feel like that. I feel like that. I feel like that four. That four clue is I'm, a lot easier than our team yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think me and Kieran both know who this is. Well. I think we both got a guess. I, we have both got a guess, yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I, I reckon you'll both be wrong. 
I mean, the obvious answer would be John Swift. Well, that's your answer. Uh, John Swift is incorrect. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. younger than right. birthday. Uh, for three points. Contract for Chelsea. He has spent most of his playing career at Colchester United. Oh, is it Sam Walker? Sam Walker is correct. I did not remember he came through Chelsea's academy, but then again, they've had pretty much every professional (laughs) footballer in their academy. So 10% of all English players in the. And for two points, he signed for Reading in July 2018. Mm. And then for one point, he plays in goal. (laughs) Well, that's debatable. All right, nice one. So, Kieran and Matt got three on that, and Lewis on two, I believe. So, so I did get four last week, so. Yeah. Evens out. Evens out. Yeah, both on six, Kieran and Lewis from this. Well, we should just agree. I would have got five last week. <laughs> Like I feel like at the end of the season when I have to um like divide decide the table on points per game. Yeah, <laughs> but Matt, would there be a Reading legends that I could have that I could have gone for you? That's the thing. Is there many oh, Reading legends out there? Adam oh, Lafondre. Adam Lafondre. Yeah. Dave Kitson. Everyone. Everyone's favourite. Oh, let's let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we will. We'll move on to the Championship, actually, which will be returning on June the 20th, the same weekend as the Premier League. Me and Lewis will just clock out here, then, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, we're very excited, aren't we, to see, our, to see the Championship return? Very excited, yeah. I feel like you should be interested, Kieran. These might be teams you'll be up against if you go down. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. Oh, dearie me. No, to be fair, I've got a new appreciation of the championship having watched the uh, Leeds United Amazon documentary. Oh, um, to which, see it, which I must say, I found to be not very good. The Sunderland one was very good, though. <laughs> Especially the part where they went down. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, League One. I still haven't um, watched that. Reading a sitting 14th. Nine points clear of the relegation zone. So, is there really much for you to play for? Um, well, you say we're nine points clear of relegation. We're also eight points off the playoffs. There you go. There's always something to play for. He's a half-glass ball kind of guy. Yeah. Always, always got to believe, don't you? I mean, we've got, in terms of teams we've got to play, we've got teams like Stoke, Luton, Huddersfield, Middlesbrough, Charlton. Blackburn, all sort of well, not Blackburn, but all a lot of teams that are sort of, but they're still in that relegation battle. So you know, you look at it on paper and you think, you know, maybe we can, you know, make a last ditch uh, run for up the table, maybe even sneak into the playoffs, do a Villa. But you just know with Reading after being in the Championship for so long that it just doesn't work like that. It just never does. 
And I think especially with, you know, a lot of games close together. And I mean, they started um, their contact training um, later than the Premier League by a week or two, I think. So I think there's going to be a few more fitness issues in the in the championship. So, you know, there's a lot of teams a bit like us that don't have that massive uh, squad depth. So, you know, I think we'll we'll struggle because of that but it just be just be nice to see us back playing football even if you know it's pretty much season over we're mm. sort of sticking around mid table not going to do much see you're reading uh, eight points off the playoff my, my boys Millwall only in eighth place only two points off the playoffs with nine games to go and we've we're playing games all our remaining nine games are against teams below us, but they've been the games we've been struggling with this season. When we've come against the tougher opponents in the league, we've been playing quite well. And um, I, that's the thing, I'm, I'm not too hopeful that we're going to make those playoffs because Millwall, we're very much a team. We feed very much off of the energy of the fans, the noise of the crowd. I mean, if you've ever been to the Den, you know how loud that is. And we're not going to have that. And I just don't think it's going to intimidate the other team as much. And they're not going to be as frightened to come to the den and put in a decent performance. But I think I think we I think we might have the just enough, might have the quality to make it into the playoffs. I mean, I, I hope we do. Uh, and I mean, how many teams do you think are nailed on to sort of finish in the playoffs as it stands at the minute? I mean, looking at the table, Fulham have got a what's that, a nine point lead over Bristol City in seventh. Oh yeah, Fulham I think are nailed on for the playoffs and probably most likely to make Forest have got five points lead over Bristol City. But I don't know whether that warrants being nailed on at this stage. And I mean even if Leeds and West Brom they could theoretically drop out of automatics, then I think that's sort of the top three you would think are pretty much in and around there at least going to be involved in the playoffs. But it's you know, it's quite a short gap between sort of Brentford on 60 points and then, you know, Millwall and Cardiff, 54 points. That's, you know, that's only, that's only six points and, mm. you know, a lot can change, especially in the championship with, you know, everyone playing each other and it always throws up weird results. Yeah. There'll be and a team at the happens, bottom of the table. Wins. Anything happens in the championship anyway, mm. whether there's fans there or is there not. Um, one thing that has, one story that sort of has been rumbling on during over the last couple of weeks is um, the Charlton striker Lyle Taylor who has um, said that he won't be returning to the um, to the championship we won't be returning to Charlton for the remainder of the season because he doesn't he wants to eliminate the risk of getting injured and potentially signing for a big club in the summer um, what do we think of that if that was a player in your club doing that how would you feel um, I'll pitch in on this and say that Michael Owen did this 10 years ago and he is probably one of the most hated former Newcastle United players ever. It's a completely different situation with Michael Owen though, isn't it? Michael Owen compared to Lyle Taylor. Lyle Taylor's a guy who's come up through non-league. You know, he's got one massive move, one big payday left in him. Whereas, you know, someone like mm. Michael Owen, he's had all that. So, yeah. I mean, I think everyone knew that Lyle Taylor was going to leave anyway. 
and it's it's only because of how important he is to Charlton that it's a massive sort of story mm. for them. And you know, I can understand the fans being really, really upset because he could be the difference between League One football and Championship football for the club next season. But at the same time, can't really blame the player for wanting to safeguard his career. And even if he does go back, given the situation that. You know, I don't think he's going to go in for every challenge like he would normally or chase every ball down because he just had that nagging doubt in the back of his mind that I really don't want to get injured because it will ruin the, you know, my chances of getting that big move. Well, that's, well, that's, what that's to say you might, you know, tri- tri- trip in the garden and do his ACL and then misses out on that move anyway? I think it's the whole thing is honestly, it's, I think it's really, really bad to be perfectly honest, because Lyle Taylor is probably the star of the show at Charlton. He is, and Charlton are the reason why he's playing championship football and are the reason why he's been allowed, he's been given the opportunity to show what he can do in the championship this season. Um, And for him to basically abandon them at the final post where they need him most, they are are in the relegation zone, two points off safety. Um, They could still easily stay up this season. But without their best play, without arguably their best player or their main threat up top, they're going to struggle to do that. Um, so I think it's he's just abandoned a club who have given a lot to him when they probably need him the most. Which in, in basically self uh, to so he can self serve and protect his own safeguard his own career. That's ridiculous, and surely that has to go against his own sort of contract. So uh, it's got to go some be some sort of contract violation, even if not it's still properly, properly bad form. And if I was one of the big clubs, either in the Championship or one of the lower clubs in the Premier League, I wouldn't touch a player like that with a barge pole because he clearly has no regard for his players. Yeah, Lewis, let's just say, for argument, say that Liverpool <laughs> come in and said they wanted to sign um, Lyle Taylor. Would you want to play like well, that at your club? Well, I was going to say a comparison you could make. Obviously, Grealish isn't in... It, Grealish isn't doing this, but I was going to say, I guess you could compare it to if Grealish did do this in terms of a Premier League club. Mm. Would yeah, you want a player like that at your club, knowing no. that they could, they could do this to you? Oh, no, I mean, like, like Kieran says, like you know, a manager like Jurgen Klopp looks at personality as much as your footballing ability, and yeah, Klopp wouldn't touch a personality like that with a barge pole. Um, so yeah, like you say, in terms of sort of upper Championship teams, lower Premier League teams, I mean, it's going to take a manager that. Doesn't has no sort of regard for personality in terms of actually being interested in signing him. Mm. Um, like just on that, Bobby Robson once said, "You don't just don't just sign good players, sign good people." So, do you think this would have the reverse effect, and that no one would really want him? Do you think this will damage his career I as much as, as he's trying to uh, advance it? This could actually to his detriment. I think I this think he'll probably football. get a move, but he won't get a, as good a move as he could have got if he handled it the right way. I agree. Well, it's football, and I don't think you know. At the end of the day, they'll do anything if it means they can get an extra five, ten goals a season. You know, they don't care who who they sign. Let's be honest; he's probably going to go to Sunderland. <laughs> <laughs> Back down into League One. Yeah, well, watching the documentaries, I know how Sunderland mm-hmm. operates. I hope he does. Goes to that melting pot and lets his career rot away in League One. I hope he does that. It'll be good fun. Well, the thought was um, Stephen Gerrard wants him at Rangers. It's good. Yeah. Go and rot in Scotland. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen Gerrard wants lots of people at Rangers. 
Yeah. <laughs> Probably love Bobby Firmino and Sadio Mane at Rangers, but we can't have it all. Uh, right, so we're going to come back to the answers of the odd one out. Uh, this was this was ter- like horrendous. This is probably my least favourite one. Was this a stinker a one? It was hard. Like Jerry, you'll be kicking yourself cool. when you uh, when I reveal the answers. Honestly, one of my answers this this isn't my official answer, but one of the theories that I came up with in my head was that it was Nicky Butt because he's the only one who hasn't played for a team that wears blue. So you know, <laughs> um, it's almost as bad as Lewis's one. So he said it's Harry Kane because his name's Harry. <laughs> The best I've managed to come up with Is that my answer is Danny Simpson Because he's the only one of the four Who's only won the Premier League one time The rest of all won it more than once uh, Matt Yeah mine was sort of on a similar line to that But I went with um, Riyad Mahrez Because he's the only one to have won the Premier League At two different clubs the other of the others have won the Premier League, but only at one club. Good shout. I like that. Uh, Lewis. Uh, yeah, mine basically exactly the same as Matt's. Mares because he's won the Premier League at two different clubs. Oh, Kila. Right. So none of you got any points. What? Oh. <laughs> but you're you're on the right lines of winning the Premier League. The correct answer is John mm. Stones. Because he's the only one who hasn't won the Premier League and the Championship. Whereas Nicky Butts oh. done it with Man United and Newcastle. Uh, Danny Simpson done it with Leicester. Won the Premier League with Leicester and Newcastle. Riyad Mahrez won the Premier League and Championship with Leicester. And he won the Premier League with Manchester City. Uh, John Stones, he played in the Championship. For he Barnes, played for Barnsley, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but obviously yeah. He, didn't win, he didn't win the championship with Barnsley. At one point during that, I was sitting. At one that point during that, I was sitting thinking, did we have Myers have a loan spell at Barnsley for a while? And right. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, we'll end it there. That was uh, episode two, season three of the Pitch Up Podcast. Um, give us a follow on Twitter. This will go out on SoundCloud and YouTube. So give us a subscribe to the Pitch Up Podcast YouTube channel. And we will speak to you all next week.